0: Yeah. It is Tuesday, March 16th here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Shelf. We are in the heat of NFL free agency right now with names big and small finding new teams. That means plenty of fantasy excitement, either real or fabricated. You can track all that movement through the Sharkbite section on DraftSharks.com. But the NFL draft is also getting closer, just a little bit more than a month away now. That makes it one of the most exciting times of year for Dynasty Leagues. And with that in mind, I wanted to bring in a Dynasty specialist to talk rookie drafts and more. He is a co-owner of DynastyLeagueFootball.com. You can find him on the DLF podcast, the Locked On Dynasty podcast, the Commission Impossible podcast with Scott Fish, and probably picking in front of you in a draft room right now. He is at RyanMC23 on Twitter. Ryan McDowell, thanks so much for joining me tonight.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Ready to talk some rookies.
0: Yeah, it's good to have you here. Before we get to any football, though, can I ask you the significance of the 23 in your Twitter handle?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I uh, I grew up a Yankees fan. So uh, twenty three
0: is is Donnie baseball. Absolutely, I wondered the same thing. That was my first favorite number for the same reason because I have family on Long Island and, and started watching Don Mattingly. So twenty three was a number of mine then. Became a Cubs fan, so it was Ryan Sandberg's number yeah. then. So it just yeah. kind of cemented it. And I, I wondered, I was curious if it was Michael Jordan, which it was for most people in our age bracket. But I was yeah. I was hopeful.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Of, of course, everybody always thinks uh, with the age range and, and obviously he's he's the more famous number 23. But uh, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Mattingly fan, big Yankees fan.
0: Awesome. So of course, what I come to you and DLF for this time of year, especially is to take the pulse of the fantasy landscape on these incoming rookies. How long have you been running those rookie mock drafts on, through DLF? And can you describe how they work for anybody who's not familiar?
1: Sure. So uh, we use my fantasy league to host our mock drafts every year and really every month. So I host Dynasty Startup mock drafts every single month, including the regular season. And then this time of year, from February through May, we also host rookie drafts. So 10 Superflex mock drafts, 10 one quarterback mock drafts, and really just want to get as much data out there as possible. And of course, you know, there's a few leagues drafting their rookie drafts this early. Uh, You can find them occasionally, but not many. So to really kind of get an early picture of what the rookie value might be, I think mock drafts is the best way to do that this time of year. So yeah, host those every month and fill up 20 rookie mocks every single month. It's, It's a pretty fun time.
0: Yeah, it seems like it. Now, what's your personal preference for when to do that rookie drafting? Are you one of those hardcore guys that wants to do it before these guys have NFL draft landing spots? Or are you like, I, I want to add in the where he landed component to my personal rankings?
1: Yeah, I definitely don't mind it. I'm in a couple of those leagues, those hardcore leagues, as you say, where where mm-hmm. we do draft before the NFL draft. And I'm also in in quite a few devi leagues where you draft players when they're in college developmental leagues. So between those, uh, you know, I've got a lot of rooting interest on draft night and on draft weekend, hoping my guys land in the right spot or or get that preferred draft capital. I think for most though, for most dynasty players, it makes sense to draft soon after
0: the NFL draft. I was going to say with that Debbie component, you probably feel a little bit like you're watching some of your kids to see where they're going to be spending their careers, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of these guys, you know, you've had them on your on your roster for three or four years, potentially, if you draft them, maybe even before they start their college career, they do feel like a part of the family after a while. And the Debbie hit rate is is pretty scary, as you might imagine, especially when you're drafting those kids that are, are still in high school.
0: I'm sure. Um, How much do the rankings that come out of those mock drafts at this time of the year? How much do you tend to see those change? Right after the NFL draft and when guys land on teams and in you know particular rounds, it's a pretty massive
1: change. So as as I said, we're we're doing rookie mock drafts, but we're also doing startup mock drafts, and you know that's where you really see the change. If you're doing a dynasty startup draft right now or any time before the NFL draft, you can really profit just by hammering those rookies. I looked at the top ten rookies from last year, and of course that's that's a pretty special class, but. Mm. Of those top 10 rookies looking at their April ADP to their May ADP, every single one of them went up. Every single one gained value from April to May. So we're, of course, talking pre-draft to post-draft. And the average jump was 14 spots. So we're talking about more than one round in a dynasty startup draft. Uh, You know, it won't be any surprise. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire jumped 40 spots in (laughs) one month. Um, let's see, J.K. Dobbins jumped 20 spots, Jalen Rager jumped 27 spots, uh, and, you know, maybe coincidence or not, two of those guys we could probably consider pretty big disappointments after their rookie year.
0: I'm pretty sure Clyde edwards helaires family even loved him more after he got drafted <laughs> by the Chiefs in round one. How much do you find that your personal rookie rankings changed after the draft, I- in general? Well, actually, before we get to that, you talked about last year's class being uh, special, uh, have you seen rookies go any earlier in Dynasty Startup so far this year after we had that class last year?
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely an impact. We're seeing a lot of the the incoming rookies, the 2021 mm. rookies being drafted very highly. But I, I still think there's there's some meat on the bone. You know, there's mm. some value there to be had. Travis Etienne, 37 overall. I, I think he's almost a lock to increase and in, in gain value on that number. Jamar Chase right behind him at 39 overall. And then you've got kind of the two unicorns of this class, Kyle Pitts, 56 overall, and Trevor Lawrence, 87 overall, and that is in a one-quarterback league. So I think all four of those players certainly will will gain
0: some value and be moving up post-draft. Now, we'll talk about Trevor Lawrence in a minute, but uh, do you, in your personal rankings and your colleagues at DLF, do you guys find that your rankings change as significantly or nearly as significantly after the NFL draft, uh, you know, compared with what's happening in the mock drafts from those two different periods? Um, I don't
1: know if I've ever compared it that way, but you know, you have to react obviously to Mm -hmm. landing spots, to draft capital. You know, I I will admit I'm one that got caught in the Hakeem Butler hype, you know, a couple of years ago. So when we think he's wide receiver one and the NFL tells us he's not, Obviously, you have to react to that. And and really, I, I think those are the smarter reactions, moving players down rather than bumping players way up. And and again, you know, back to back to CEH, maybe we learned that lesson again last year.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, that's the tough part about this, because sometimes you do need to just stick to it and say, no, the NFL got this wrong. This guy's going to do something. But you also have to bake in some humility and say, all right, I liked Hakeem Butler a little bit too much. If I thought he was going late round one and he went round five, I think I was probably the one who was wrong.
1: Right. And, you know, 15 years ago, as as kind of a young dynasty player, I was I mean, I remember being, uh, you know, stubborn. That mm. uh, in, in fact, I would kind of brag about it that I've got my pre-draft rankings and I'm I'm leaving those set. You know, those are not changing mm-hmm. due to the draft. And, and obviously, I mean, not only do we have to consider draft capital, but we have to consider landing spot as well. And mm. it's really just just silly to
0: ignore that. Um, how much has the demand for super flex content and drafts increased over the past couple of years? Massively,
1: massively. I know,
0: right. uh, along with
1: my work at DLF, I also help out Scott Fish run the safe leagues for fanball. And I mean, I know Scott has said he doesn't even open one quarterback dynasty leagues anymore, because he just can't consistently fill them and fill many of them. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Superflex certainly kind of in our dynasty niche is, is growing every single year and, and has almost become the preferred
0: option. And of course, I mean, I would imagine anybody listening knows super flex is where a quarterback can also be a a flex player um, that has seemed to explode in popularity in best ball drafting and dynasty on FFPC. I know we play those a lot now. Um, So it makes it brings Trevor Lawrence and others into greater focus in this class. I guess, first of all, do you like having Superflex be a bigger participant in the fantasy landscape and kind of give quarterbacks more importance? Because before the past couple of years, we'd be like, yeah, he's number one quarterback. So you could probably take him early in round two of your rookie draft.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. And I'm kind of to that point as well that I don't really want to play in the league, a dynasty league, unless it's Superflex or really any fantasy league. Honestly, I think a lot of the same things could be said about redraft as far as you know the late round quarterback and just the value being flat across that position. So when you add in that second quarterback either through a super flex position or a required two QB league, then you're I mean you're giving value to a huge, you know, a huge portion of your player pool. Right. And um yeah, and in this this season specifically, absolutely Trevor Lawrence 101, no question about it.
0: Yeah. So you called him a unicorn a few minutes ago. You think he is that far ahead of the rest of the group?
1: I really do. And, and it kind of feels like, you know, it feels like Justin Fields is going back to the group. I think he was the original favorite to be the 102, not only in the NFL draft, but in in dynasty rookie drafts as well in, in those super flex leagues. And, you know, the, it seems like the offseason has not been great for him or this pre-draft process. Uh, maybe it's Zach Wilson instead. Maybe it's Trey Lance. Whoever it is, I think there's a, a pretty significant
0: gap between Lawrence
1: and the rest of them.
0: Yeah, to me, it seems like it seems like the downside of Justin Fields has been fabricated a bit. I mean, I, I'm not a yeah. film scout, I'm not an NFL scout, but I I did post our scouting reports for both Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields as well as uh, Trey Lance. To me, Justin Fields looks like, from a fantasy standpoint, we'll see, you know we'll see about their real life su- success, but from a fantasy standpoint in terms of upside, I don't think there's a huge gap between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and I mean. Even in real life terms, there hasn't been that huge gap between them from the time that they were right next to each other in the recruiting rankings. Right. They both landed at big schools. They both had success at big schools. The last time we saw Justin Fields, he got clobbered and still crushed Trevor Lawrence's <laughs> team in the national semifinals. So I'm not sure what Justin Fields did since then to make so many people mad.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really not either. I feel, you know, I mean, we do this every every year at this time, right? We, we overanalyze these guys and we dig in maybe a little too much. And I'm with you in, in Justin Fields case, he's still the quarterback too uh, for me in this class from, from a fantasy standpoint. And as far as the NFL draft, I mean, if I'm the Jets, I'm taking him, you know, no question.
0: Yeah. And if I'm the Jets and I'm thinking about taking Zach Wilson, I don't want to talk badly about Zach Wilson because I don't dislike him, but I'm worried that if I take him ahead of Justin Fields that I might be taking Mitchell Trubisky with Deshaun Watson still there on the board.
1: Yep, I agree. I, I thought that's where you might be going. And that, yeah, I'm the same way. I, I, I'm a little more confident in, in Wilson than I was in Trubisky uh, years ago. And of course that's easy to say now, right? But yeah, I've, I would totally agree with what you said there. So yeah, it's
0: Fields for me. Now, beyond the – well, I guess you, you also called Kyle Pitts a unicorn, so let's talk about him for a second. Um, the gap, I don't think anybody would argue the gap between him and the rest of the position.
1: Well, yeah, and it's not just the gap between he and, and the other rookie tight ends. We're we're seeing a gap already uh, going back to that those Dynasty Startup mock drafts. He's our tight end four in ADP already in, in Dynasty Startup. So, of course, you have – Kittle and Kelsey at the top, Darren Waller has slotted in kind of almost in his own tier, tied in three. But then it's Kyle Pitts ahead of Hawkinson, ahead of Fant, ahead of Mark Andrews, all these other guys in that range. So the hype is, the hype is real on Kyle mm-hmm. Pitts. I'm going to have a hard time buying where you would need to buy, which is probably uh, five or six in rookie mm-hmm. drafts, maybe seven. I just don't think I can do that for a tight end. Uh, maybe if you've got a big tight end premium, some leagues I'm in, you have to start two tight ends. Of course, then he would be a consideration or if you get mm-hmm. two PPR, two points per reception uh, for a tight end catch. Again, that would be a consideration, but in, in kind of a normal PPR league, it's just too rich for me.
0: Yeah. I, where would he slot in for you in that first round? Cause I, I mean, I don't think we're loaded on top shelf running backs or, wide receivers. I, you know, if we're talking about super flex or two QB, then that's going to push those quarterbacks further into that mix. But if it is just one quarterback, do you think Kyle Pitts makes sense right there in the middle of that first round?
1: Uh, It wouldn't be too, too much lower. Um, I'm going to pull his numbers here. Uh, yeah. So he's seven right now in our ADP for me, it would be probably more like nine or 10. Um, Mm -hmm. so again, not far off, but you're just you know, you're kind of getting into the names. Rondell Moore is a guy behind Pitts right now that I would take ahead of him. Uh, Richard Bateman actually moved ahead of Pitts in our most recent ADP, but had initially been behind him. So I'd prefer both of those wide receivers. I think we'll see three running backs uh, most likely go ahead of him. Uh, of course, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne at the top. And, and there's been a lot of hype lately, uh, deservedly so, I think, on Javante Williams.
0: At least within the fantasy bubble on Twitter, Rashad Bateman has seemed like the yodeling mountain climber from The Price is Right, where he's just kind of moving up and people are singing about him the whole time over the past month or so. Yeah, well, Bateman, I, I think it's deserved.
1: You know, it's it's so tough to analyze and to judge this class just because of the past year we've had mm-hmm. um, with some players playing, some players opting out, others playing half a season and then opting out. So it's it's really not a an apples to apples conversation here. So mm-hmm. Bateman opted out, opted back in, played a few games, and then ultimately opted out again. And I think initially uh, that was one thing that that kind of hurt his stock uh, among dynasty players and and probably among NFL draft scouts as well. But I, I think you know we're looking back at his sophomore year when he had that breakout year, even with Tyler Johnson still there for Minnesota and kind of remembering and reminding ourselves what Bateman can really do.
0: Yeah. I'll be very curious to see if he makes it into round one of the NFL draft, or if he's another one of those guys that fantasy folks end up liking better than the NFL. And you know what we do with that. We talk about guys that we end up liking better than the NFL clearly did, but you know, it makes me remember Michael Thomas when he landed in round two with new Orleans as an example of, You know, somebody who did sink a little bit by NFL standards, but then he also landed in that place and got the maybe should have gotten the Clyde Edwards-Elair boost, maybe didn't get as much. I don't know. It's it. it, That's kind of that's not really it doesn't really help us with anything right now. But (laughs) One of those examples of something where you have to figure out whether to stick to your guns, whether to react to the draft position and whether to react to NFL landing spot.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great reminder. And, you know, that wasn't that long ago. (laughs) Um, we we should have figured that out. I I remember in, in one league, I had a middle of the pack first round pick and was choosing between Michael Thomas, who, like you said, you know, I didn't really like coming in, but uh, he's got the solid draft capital. He's got the great landing spot. And instead I I chose Sterling Shepard. And, you know, of course I'm, I'm kicking myself for that one now, but I don't know. I, I, maybe over the years, we we've leaned more on, uh, on that landing spot, especially, for those players picked in the first
0: three rounds. Yeah. I mean, you know, every situation is going to be different. There are going to be guys we miss on all the time and we kick ourselves yeah. it, about looking backward. At least, you know, it's a player like Sterling Shepard who's at least still been productive and it wasn't like Doriel Green Beckham.
1: Oh yeah. That was a bad one too. <laughs>
0: that's, a, that's a name that I like to throw out in dynasty circles. <laughs>
1: uh, too many bad names on here. I fell for that one too.
0: That's right. So who are your favorites in this class? You mentioned having Kyle Pitts a little bit lower than where ADP does. Um, what's what's yeah. your read right now? What's your position of strength or favorite players? Uh, I'm just really,
1: really in love with this wide receiver class, as as plenty of people are. Uh, it's deep and it's top heavy at the same time. Uh, I mentioned Jamar Chase earlier. He's He's 39 overall in our startup ADP. But interestingly enough, he's first overall in that rookie ADP. So in startup, he's falling behind the running backs, both Harris and ETN. Uh, in rookie drafts, he's ahead of them. And that kind of makes sense. You know, I see the difference. In rookie drafts, we're typically basing more on you know on talent and, and maybe that long-term view. In startups, managers feel like they've got to get the running backs. Uh, so we, sometimes in, in those startup drafts, we do see rookie running backs higher than they might go in in a rookie draft, uh, so Chase would be one I, I definitely think will uh, be gaining value, even at his his lofty value already. Rondell Moore, I mentioned already, and, and uh, Rashad Bateman, those are my wide receivers two and three. Uh, I've got some doubts. I'm 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 with the people who are doubting the Alabama, uh, both Alabama wide receivers. So that's going to be another conversation of. How much are we valuing draft capital? Because if we're to believe everything we've heard, both of those guys are going to be first round picks and and potentially high first round picks. Uh, Talking about Devontae Smith and and Jalen Waddell. Again, those are probably two I would be avoiding. And then even the wide receivers, once you get into likely the second round of rookie drafts, Tylan Wallace is is a guy I really like. Uh, Terrace Marshall is probably going to be on that border, late first, early second rounder. Uh, which is actually probably the same round, same range he'll be in the NFL draft.
0: And of course, their Alabama teammate, you talked about Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell just last year, Henry Ruggs is a good example of the other side of maybe sticking to your guns as opposed to reacting to what the NFL says. When Henry Ruggs goes first off the board among all wide receivers and, you know, there there was varying opinions. I know uh, my colleague Jared was not high on Henry Ruggs. I know I wasn't excited about the most of the components for Henry Ruggs' profile. So that was a a case where it's a good idea to stick to your guns and say, I don't like Henry Ruggs. I'm going to let somebody else take him and it ended up working out so far. It's one year in, so he might be a stud still, but you know, just kind of an example of that other side of sticking to your guns can work out sometimes.
1: Yeah, and that's th- we did see dynasty players stick to their guns. We rugs after the NFL draft did gain some value last year, but looking at our our ADP data from May of last year, he was still the eleventh pick in the first round and the fifth wide receiver drafted. So he was behind uh, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, Jalen Rager, and Justin Jefferson, even though he was the wide receiver one in the NFL draft. So he gained some value, but but I would say in general, like you said, dynasty managers did stick with their guns and, and didn't raise him too much
0: based on that. And I think in his case too, it's not so much a sign of fantasy players being stubborn, but being smart. I mean, in this mm-hmm. case, probably smarter than the Raiders is the signs. Obviously he's fast. Obviously he's productive. Obviously he's from Alabama, but you know, the, the production, the market shares, the the things that have been shown to matter for NFL production didn't point to Henry Ruggs being a good selection as the first wide receiver off the board last year. And fantasy players are like, okay, I like him a little bit better now because the Raiders are probably going to give him every chance to succeed, but I still don't love him. So I'm not going to vault him ahead of Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb or anybody else here.
1: Yeah, actually years ago, this this reminds me of a, a study I did and an article I did for, for DLF. I called it drafting like the pros. And I looked at players like Henry Ruggs, where there was such a gap in where they were drafted in the NFL versus where they were drafted in dynasty rookie drafts. And of course the gap for for Ruggs in that case would be four spots from wide receiver one to wide receiver five. And typically I I found that the dynasty players were more successful, meaning players like Ruggs finished closer to that uh, range where he was drafted in dynasty drafts versus higher in, in the NFL draft. That's interesting. How many years ago did you say that was? Uh that's probably been uh 3 or 4 years
0: ago. I need to I need to dust that one off and see what the recent <laughs> numbers say. Well, it just makes you wonder too if we are all, you know, collectively just using analytics more effectively mm-hmm. still even than the NFL is or maybe yep. maybe it's just a few franchises that are kind of lagging behind in that area <laughs> to be fair. <laughs>
1: yeah, and they they would certainly be one of them unfortunately.
0: Are there any key mistakes that you think are widespread still among dynasty players, specifically in rookie drafts at this point, or just in valuing rookie picks even?
1: Um, I think going back to the super flex format, we're still seeing quarterbacks fall too far. If you play in super flex dynasty leagues, you know how hard it is to acquire not just starting quarterbacks, but especially young starting quarterbacks. So if you get a chance to draft one, you should do it. Um, We saw Justin Herbert fall to the second round regularly last year, despite being a a top 10 pick uh, by a a quarterback needy team. We saw the same thing the year before with Daniel Jones. You know, you can argue how that one worked out. And, And the year before that, it was Josh Allen, who not only fell sometimes to the to the second round, but even fell to the third round sometimes because he just became that hot potato player that nobody wanted to draft because everybody told us how bad he was So I don't know who that'll be this year. I I don't think we really have a quarterback fitting in that range this year. But the quarterback five most likely will be Mac Jones. And, you know, there's there's some disagreement on what to expect from him on the NFL level. Uh, And just because the depth of the class and he doesn't offer much as a runner or really anything as a runner, honestly, I, I could see him falling to the second round again in super flex leagues.
0: How much do you value the running for those quarterbacks? Cause I mean, you know, you mentioned Justin Herbert, you mentioned Josh Allen, uh, things could have looked a lot different for either of those guys, even Daniel Jones to a lesser degree without the rushing ability. So I think when you take that away from Mac Jones, that is probably going to hurt him and make him drop maybe even into round three, even if he sneaks into the first round of NFL drafts, but is he maybe more of an example of somebody who should slip a little bit and there's not, you know, something special about him, uh, even long-term.
1: Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I certainly would see a gap between he and, and the other four. And mm-hmm. uh, part of the reason for that is uh, what he does offer or, or doesn't offer as a runner. You know, you just look at the top six or eight quarterbacks right now in, in DLF ADP and in most rankings, Mahomes, Allen, Watson, uh, Murray, Lamar Jackson. Those are all guys who are going to give you some some upside on the ground as well. Trevor Lawrence can, can do that also. So I, I think it has to be a huge part of uh, your decision making when looking at the quarterback position.
0: Yeah, and we're getting more of those guys every year. Another four yep. at least coming in yep. this year. So pretty pretty soon, everybody's going to have a running a running throwing quarterback. It's it's a fun time. You know, it's copycat league, right? Do you have any later favorite sleepers among this rookie class? Um, yeah,
1: we can find some. Let's see. I I really like, um, and, and I can't believe he's even a later guy. I, I thought he would be going much higher. But Trey Sermon, the uh, Ohio State running back going right now in the late second round. Uh, I thought he would be more of a late first rounder and and maybe we'll eventually see him move up some, but like him for sure. A couple of guys, we were talking about Kyle Pitts, the tight end two, tight end three, Pat Fryermuth, Brevin Jordan, both of those guys going late second, early third round. And those are potentially first round NFL draft picks. Probably won't happen, but uh, probably more like early day two guys. But still, I, I think sometimes... You were talking about mistakes we make in the draft. Sometimes we write off those tight ends too much, mm-hmm. thinking about the the long transition they have to the NFL to, to relevance in the in the league. So I like both of those. I'm a Kentucky guy, and while I'm not a not a Louisville football fan, I'm kind of interested in the pair of players they have, Javian Hawkins, the the running back from Louisville and their uh, wide receiver Tutu Atwell, both of those guys are looking like third or or fourth rounders and most likely day three picks in the NFL.
0: I enjoy having somebody on the pod who takes some of the vowels out of Louisville, by the way. Um, (laughs) And as a Kentucky guy, uh, let me say, I was wishing that the Eagles were in position years ago to draft Tim Couch instead Mm -hmm. of having Donovan McNabb. I have to admit, obviously Donovan McNabb worked out over Tim Couch, but I was... That year, I was hoping Tim Couch could get to them or I was hoping they would move down and take Dante Culpepper. Those are my two favorites in that class. And obviously it ended up working out just fine. I was not one of those folks at the draft or even, you know, at home yelling at the Eagles for taking the quarterback <laughs> instead of Ricky Williams. But I, I have to admit that Donovan McNabb was not my first choice.
1: <laughs> yeah, Tim Tim Couch, uh, man, we, we're still a little disappointed with that one. You know, you Kentucky football doesn't have much to be uh, to be proud of or or happy about, you know, it's gotten better over the past few years. Oh. I should say it, it it's not that bad lately. But to have the the first overall draft pick is is obviously pretty special. And then and then not to see it work out, it was disappointing.
0: At least the Randall Cobb jerseys shouldn't go out of style.
1: That's right. That's right. That's why I'm such a big uh, Randall Cobb fan.
0: Is he's kind
1: of <laughs> all we have.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, rookies aside. Uh, who are a couple of players that you are trying to buy in Dynasty this offseason?
1: I'm really, uh, really sold on Cam Akers. And I mm. think this this rookie class from from last year, we kind of hinted at it earlier, is just unbelievable. Right now, four of the top 12 players overall are from the class of 2020, uh, seven of the top 24. So we're talking about the first two rounds. Seven of those guys are from class of 2020. And Acres and right now is a late first rounder. So he's he's not going to be cheap by any means. But I could see him being a, a top three, top five running back by the end of the season. So um, trying to to kind of buy high on Cam Akers, honestly. And I would say the same thing about C.D. Lamb. I think he's got some, some room to grow when you look at rankings or, or ADP. He's in that second round range. But I, I expect him to be a first rounder by the end of next season.
0: Yeah, now it's interesting that you pick two high-level guys because usually people want to buy low, sell high. But if somebody's about to become a star, you're not going to get a whole bunch of chances to buy them. So, do you find that you're often, you know, just trying to buy your guys, whether it's low or high? You, you just have to kind of pay what's there, as opposed to shying away from somebody who is priced like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're just talking about the reward, right? What's the, what's the ROI on this and uh, buying lows? You know, always a great idea. I don't know how often it works out. But those two guys, even though they are very expensive already and and very valuable already in dynasty leagues, are two that I'm super confident in. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, even just a little bit lower, uh, Austin Eckler, I think, is in for a huge year. And we've seen his value drop probably because, you know, he's not viewed as that big name player. He's, you know, almost kind of a boring player, even though he's anything but that on the field, but I'm just excited to see what he does with uh, with another year in that offense.
0: I think he's just different usage-wise from what we're used to a top-level running back looking like. So this time of year, everybody's like, yeah, last year was fun, but he can't do that again. Especially right. That last year, now we have to worry about that. He's not going to catch 100 balls, so I don't know. I don't think it can happen.
1: Yeah, and, and one more I would throw in there is another kind of example of buying high, honestly, and in, in another second-year player, T. Higgins. Uh, I think he's a top seven, top eight dynasty wide receiver right now. And he's not really being valued that way. He is wide receiver 12 in our ADP. So another player that won't be
0: cheap, but some room to grow. And he could also be kind of a reminder to not worry too much about landing spot initially. Uh, I know that there were some who, when he landed in Cincinnati last year, was like, well, he's behind AJ Green. He's behind Tyler Boyd. Who knows when he's going to get opportunities. Maybe I don't like him quite as much as I would have if he landed somewhere else you know, what was it like week three, he became a fantasy factor and, you know, good luck buying him. You have to pay a whole lot more at this point. Yeah. So it's another one of those where maybe it's good to stay stubborn on a guy that you like.
1: Well, it, it's funny that, you know, we we play dynasty and we talk about a three-year window or some people even play with a five-year window, which is kind of crazy, but you know, then it comes to the draft and we see these landing spots and, and we're throwing a guy away because, you know, maybe he has a quiet start to his career or maybe he is buried as a rookie. And even if that's the case, he's not done for his career.
0: On the other side, selling anybody who was who was holding A.J. Dillon. I've been saying to sell him. You kind of missed the window there. <laughs> yeah, they resigned Aaron Jones. Any other big guys, I guess, that, you know, maybe it changed recently or maybe just you came into the offseason looking to sell.
1: Yeah, I'm typically always selling the high-end running backs once they get to that certain point, whether it's usage or age. So uh, I would be looking to sell both Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook this year. I continue to be worried about Dalvin Cook's injury history and just his ability to make it through a full season. Uh, and then Alvin Kamara, I, I don't think the loss of Drew Brees is is going to be a good thing in, in any way for him. We know the story with Taysom Hill, if it's ultimately him playing quarterback for the Saints, uh, but even if it's Jameis Winston that wins that job and and is the quarterback, I see a pretty significant downgrade for Kamara and and his usage and and production overall. So both of those guys, I would be trying to move off of them. I talked about Cam Akers earlier. If I can go from one of those two guys to Cam Akers and get a little something thrown in, those are the types of deals I would be looking to make.
0: Yeah, Jameis Winston wasn't good for uh, running back receptions in Tampa Bay before he played his way out of that job. So yeah, either way, it certainly seems like a downgrade for Alvin Kamara from Drew Brees. And we keep learning, maybe even faster than the NFL teams, that you shouldn't hold on to these running backs too long, even if you give up a year early. Is that is that your way? Is you'd rather Give up a year too soon, then hang on a year too long to these guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, I said it last year with Ezekiel Elliott, and you know, I mentioned that it was time to sell, and obviously got a lot of backlash. You know, people don't like to hear that when you're looking at a running back that's top three or four overall in dynasty. That that might sound crazy, but now Ezekiel Elliott is RB eleven in our ADP, and he's twenty overall. So. You know, certainly you haven't lost it all. He's still a valuable player. I I actually think he could uh, bounce back and, and regain some of that value. But is he ever going to be a top three running back again? No, he's not. Not when it comes to value. And I, I don't think he
0: looks quite as good with the bare midriff right now <laughs> as he did a couple of years ago either. But I mean, how yeah. many of us do really? Right, exactly. <laughs> he is at Ryan mc 23 on Twitter. That's for Don Mattingly, a co-owner of DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Ryan, tell people where else to check out your work.
1: Yeah, it's all there on, on DLF. Check it out there uh, and on Twitter as well. And and the podcast, there's a bunch of them. Locked on Dynasty, DLF Dynasty podcast and the Commission Possible podcast. Uh, does your family think you talk too much? You know, I'm, I'm pretty quiet uh, everywhere except when I'm doing a podcast, I think.
0: I guess so. With all the shows, you got to save it up. <laughs> That's right. Well, thanks very much for joining me tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Matt. That's going to do it for this episode of our podcast. Head over to draftsharks.com. Now you can check out the first seven articles in our annual dynasty prospect scouting report series. Those are free to read. We will be adding another to the site just about every day up until the week of the NFL draft. And of course you can find our 2021 rankings, the live MVP board earlier than you have any other year. As long as you're a DS insider, you can also find us on Twitter. We are at draft sharks. I am at shout DS. It's S C H A U F subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts for Ryan McDowell and the entire draft sharks crew. I'm Matt Shaw saying thanks so much for swimming with us.